Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. A gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have spoken to us, but also you hear us and you answer our prayers. Lord, as we cry with our whole heart that you would answer our plea and our cry, that we would keep your statutes as we call to you to save us, as we observe your word. Lord, as we rise before the dawn and cry for help, we put our trust and hope not in the world, not in princes, not in chariots or horses, but in you and your word and your promises. Lord, help us to stay awake as the watchmen in the night, that we be able to see your promises come true as we see them fulfilled in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out. For a strong hand he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did make myself known to them. I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners, Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will Take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. One challenge as a contractor that I faced was being able to be able to describe the picture of the finished product to a client, to be able to explain to them the great potential which they have. I wasn't much of a salesperson. I still am not. And so it's hard to be able to sell something. But to be able to explain to them that picture, to be able to tell them to sit, remember sitting at your new kitchen table, looking out on this thing. 
when we uh, began looking at the project which the kids have called the broken house, I told Sarah, oh, this is such a lovely house. Think of all that we could do with this house. I saw this house with full potential. The bones, I saw a house that would work great for our family. She saw a broken house, a house that's inhabited by birds, bats, and other creeping, crawling things. She saw broken windows, holes in the roof, missing floors, more broken pieces. I told her, we don't have to move into this house if you don't want to, but let's have a look and see. Maybe make your judgment at the end rather than at the start. But there was an aspect on Sarah's part where she needed to have faith that this would come to fruition. Faith in what was unseen. Not quite hoped for, but to be able to see what was not there. And in today's passage, we see in a similar aspect, a passage that is, is meant to entice and to give great comfort to the people of God. But yet, they cannot find comfort in God's Word because of the situation they're in now. They have a hard time seeing what has been told to them. Moses had just finished his complaint before God, making the statement, you have not delivered your people at all. Moses explained that God had not done what he had promised. Although this is not true, we know the ending of the story. Everything has come to pass exactly as God had said it would happen. But it was not in Moses' or the people's timing. They expected Moses to be able to go to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh would just immediately let the people go. However, God had a bigger and greater plan. God, the one that shows his power and his might, not merely just to the people of Israel, but to all nations. And this passage is filled with those promises that God made to Moses and the people of God. Promises that are not new. Promises that he has made before. These promises that he says, I will. And God tells Moses that he will see, uh, that Moses will see God show his great power and his might to Pharaoh. God will use Pharaoh to be able to show forth his power and his might. And in the end, Pharaoh will send out the people of God. He will drive them out of his land. Before he wants to retain them and hold them, but now he will send them out. Pharaoh had just shown his power and his might in chapter 5 of trying to inflict the people of God. And Pharaoh used his power and strength to keep them from leaving. But God tells them the opposite. He tells Moses that Pharaoh will want to get rid of the people out of his land. Now we must begin to see and understand the sovereign power of God as he's speaking out in these very few verses. God explains what he will do to Pharaoh and that Pharaoh will send out the Israelites out of his land. God is sovereign over all people and creatures. Even the most powerful man on earth 
even at this time. The first thing that we see in this passage is that he appeared and established. He appeared and established in chapter, in verse 2 and 4. God tells Moses and reminds Moses of who he is. That here, he appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He speaks of his long history with his people. Moses pointed out in in verse 23 of chapter 5, to these people, to your people, you have not delivered your people. And Moses is reminding God, these are your people. And God reminds Moses that he is the one who had called them to be his people. That he appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. However, these men did not know God by his covenant name Yahweh, or as you see in your Bibles, capital letters, Lord. They did not know the name of the Lord. They did not have the covenant name of God. However, they did still have the covenant from Yahweh. Although they did not know everything about what God was going to do, they still knew God and His promises. I think this is quite an important thing to be able to understand. It's because underlying Moses' complaint is that he does not know the whole plan. God has not delivered His people how He said He would or in Moses' timing. And Moses is seeking for the whole plan, to be able to know the whole plan, but yet God points out and says, well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had the promises, but not the whole plan. Moses has only been informed of the important parts, as we've mentioned before, even the part that God is going to show his power and his might through these great signs and wonders. The Pharaoh would not let the people of God go instantly. But yet Moses still doesn't know all the details. But God is reminding Moses that to be a believer is to be a person of faith, trusting in God and His promises. That being a person of faith is one who trusts in what God has said, how He has revealed Himself, and what He has said up to that time. So you go through Hebrews 11, All of these men and women are men and women of faith. Putting their faith and trust in the promises of God. Looking to the promise to be fulfilled. But the second reminder God tells Moses is that God had established a covenant with the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God was the one who walked through the middle of the two carcasses. In Genesis chapter 15, God is the one who has made this covenant. Abraham was merely asleep at the time, but yet God is the one who is going to bear the punishment for himself to be able to carry out what he has said he would do. That this is still valid and true. God cannot deny himself. God had promised 
these patriarchs the promised land. But they never owned it. All they shared was a parcel of land in which there was a graveyard. He promised that his descendants would live in this land, but yet all they owned is where they bury their dead. They lived in this land as sojourners. And Moses expects God to be able to deliver his people immediately. But God reminds Moses that his promises take faith. That God is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, and understand slowness, slowness, as Second Peter, as Peter writes in Second Peter chapter three. In all this, God reminds Moses that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were men of faith. That God had made a covenant with them, and although they did not know everything about what he was going to do, how he was going to do it, when he was going to do it, they did see the promises fulfilled in their lifetime. They they didn't see the promises fulfilled, but they still lived by faith. Now God, again, had revealed many things to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham specifically that, that the people of God will be enslaved for a period of time, about 400 years, and then God will bring them out. He will save them, deliver them to the promised land. God was revealing his parts of the plan, but not in the whole. He established and appeared. The second thing is that he heard and remembered in verse 5. The second aspect God tells Moses is that he had heard and he has remembered. God tells Moses, that he has heard the groanings of the people, that he has remembered that covenant which he has made with their fathers. We might not belabor this point as we have spent some time as we studied in chapter 2, verse 23 and 25, but it is important to note that Moses is told that they have, heard, they have been heard. The people, as they groan, as they're labors and burdens get heavier as they cry out to God for help. They cry out for God to help at the end of chapter 2. They, they went to Pharaoh thinking Pharaoh would help them. Well, Pharaoh did not listen. But yet here God, He listens to His people. He remembers His covenant. He has not forgotten them. He has not forgotten the promises that He has made. And when the people and Moses expect to be saved in that moment, in that instance, however, God's ways are not his ways. Sometimes you do not need the answer straight away. But sometimes just being able to be heard is enough. Often our kids just need to hear the words, I heard you, I'll get to it soon doesn't always answer their questions or their timing. But here God tells them that he has heard their cries. He has heard their groanings. He is going to fulfill his promise that he has told them he would do. He has not forgotten them. But the third aspect is signed and delivered in verses 6 and 8. Signed and delivered. This is the largest portion of what God says to the people through Moses as he focuses on what he will do for them. 
Moses' complaint is you have not done anything. You have not delivered your people. But here, God again speaks to Moses, not rebuking him, saying, just wait, be patient. He speaks and reminds him of the promises of what God is going to do. This reminder of what the covenant of grace is about. When we think of all of what the people of God had gone through up to this point, But yet, it's not about what the people do for God. It's about what God does for the people. The first aspect is salvation. first aspect is that God teaches His people through Moses. That He will bring them out. He will deliver them. He will redeem them. Although these sound like the Lord's repeating the same thing in some form of progression. It's important to notice something here. He tells them that he is going to bring them out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This alone would be a glorious promise that stands on its own. Specifically, when you look back to chapter 5 and what happened in chapter 5, here Pharaoh has put all these burdens, this burden which was already upon their back, and then Pharaoh says, we're not going to give you straw, and you've still got to make the same amount of brick. You've got to do the exact same amount of work. Burden upon burden, and here the first promise is God says that He's going to take that burden from them. To be able to carry this large weight for a large amount of time and then to be able to throw it off your back. These horrific conditions the people of God have undergone for centuries. Now we work from a 9 to 5 job or maybe similar hours. Now we might have horrific bosses, but nothing like the hand of Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't even give him three days, uh, seven days off to be able to go do a three days journey. They haven't had any rest. Worked to death, literally. And God promises them that He will bring them out from these burdens. The next step is that God will deliver them from slavery. Not only is He going to lighten these burdens, take these burdens off their backs, He's going to remove that burden completely. They go from being slaves to free men and women. Thirdly, God tells the people that through Moses that He will redeem His people. Now, this is somewhat of a word lost in cultural translation. Mainly that not only that they go from being uh, slaves to being free, but God will cover all of their needs. To be able to go from slave to free doesn't change a, a lot with your possessions. You, 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 you have freedom, But you have nothing to your name. Your whole life in slavery has been working to build up someone else's wealth, someone else's deeds and things. And yet you're free, but you still have nothing. But yet here this next step is not only the burden is lightened, not only you are free, but God will provide all that you need. This word is used in Leviticus chapter 25, and it it speaks of a kinsman redeemer who buys back 
once was what his brother owned and had lost because of poverty. You think of this, you're under so much financial pressure and burden that you have to sell all of your wealth and possessions. But every so often in, in, the, in the law under Moses, what would happen is that you could have a kinsman redeemer that could claim that property back if it was once lost. It becomes rightfully yours again. And God promises not merely to be able to lighten their load, to be able to free them from slavery, but to give them all that they've lost. You see this idea of kinsman redeemer in the, the work of Boaz in the book of Ruth. And God will do this with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. We understand now what we will begin to see in chapter 7. Mainly these great signs and wonders or acts of judgment upon Pharaoh. Here the people just said, deliver us, but God says he's taking it much further. He's not only going to lighten their burdens. He's not going to make them slaves to free. He's not only going to give them all that he does, but Pharaoh will see justice delivered to him through judgment. To these people who have whipped and beaten the people of God and treated them horrifically, People of God asked God would judge Moses for placing this greater burden upon their back. But God said, that is not Moses who shall be judged. It is Pharaoh who shall be judged. God is to judge the person who has placed that burden upon their backs. A great sense of God judging the wicked. They will have their end. Not only salvation, but relation. The second aspect is that God tells His people through Moses that He is not merely saving them out of slavery, but He is saving them out of slavery that they will know Him. The word know speaks more than merely just intellectual knowledge of knowing of some God who dwells in the heavens and the earth that made the heavens and the earth. It is a word of intimacy that is often used between a husband knowing a wife. And Pharaoh claims that he does not know the Lord or who the Lord is, but yet God promises that the people will know who the Lord is. The God's promise given in the covenant is that they will be His people and He will be their God. A glorious promise. With the foundation of, of what we would say is covenant theology, the covenant which flows throughout all the Scripture, is God will be our God and we will be His people. And God saves His people to be able to have a relationship with them. We often think about salvation as only one thing in the, the believer's life, but that is not it. Salvation is not merely about being saved from sin. Being saved from sin that we might be united to God. To be able to know Him. 
Again, the, the book of Exodus doesn't end in chapter 15 after they're free and they're, they're across the, the Red Sea. That they're saved for a purpose. They're saved for a purpose for God to be able to come and dwell in their midst. That they would glorify God. That God would live with them and they with God. They're saved to be a light unto the nations. And we can begin to see and understand how Paul explains this principle in New Testament Christians. When he says, or do you not know? That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. And you have from God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. See that principle. We're saved not merely that we are free from sin. We're saved that we are Christ. To be able to glorify Him. That we glorify the One who saved us. Salvation, relation. And finally, possession. Finally, God tells His people through Moses that they have, will have a land which was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. God will give it to them. Not only the, the land, but they will have leave with great possessions. To be a free people would be a glorious and great thing in the mind of the people. However, God's plan was much greater. Not merely that they would not have as light a burdens, not merely that they would be free, but they would finally have a home, a land which was theirs. This goes back to the promises of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. These promises really, quite simply, were twofold. There's many promises within them, but one would they would be a, a great nation, of numerous people, of number, numerous stars, too, too great to be able to count, but also they would have a home, a land in which they would dwell. Both of these promises, and, and in Exodus, they, they have grown to a great number, a nation of people coming into Exodus with about 70 people, and now they're too numerous. This is Pharaoh's concern with the people. They're, they're multiplying, but they, yet they still don't have a land. But here God's promises that they will have a land. They will be able to see this land which was promised to them. That they might be able to dwell. This land which is flowing with milk and honey as we're told in Exodus 3 verse 17. With all of this, God reminds them that it is God's promise to His people. God reminds them that He is Yahweh, He is the Lord. That God, who has promised to fulfill all of what He has said, He will do it. God says that He is the one whose steadfast love never ceases. He is the one who remains faithful for generations, even though in an unfaithful generation. He is the one who is gracious and merciful. He is the one that is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And God swears by His name. Because there is no one greater to be able to swear by. And God sets His seal, His signature upon all of these promises. And He signs His name upon it. And He says, I will. Do these things which I promised. 
But sadly, we see the response in verse 9. Sad reality is, once hearing all of this from the mouth of Moses, the people of God did not listen to God through Moses. What a sharp change it is from the end of chapter 4 when they first heard of God who was going to deliver them, who has heard their cry and their plea. They worship the Lord. But yet, they had heard the promise, and yet their faith was tested. And their faith was weak. Later they will tell Moses, is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. All they have is the promise of God. And yet, they're still unable to be able to see that great and glorious vision. Their faith is weak. Their faith has been shaken. And it will continue to be tested. Some will stand the test of refinement. All they have is God's word. Soon they will have God's signs. But yet they will not listen. The Geneva Study Bible puts it succinctly when it says, So hard a thing is to show true obedience under the cross. These promises are the same that we have today. The covenant of grace is the truth of God and the promises that what God will do and accomplish for us. That He saves us, He delivers us, not merely lightening our burden, but removing it. Not merely removing our burden, but saving us from slavery. Not merely saving us from slavery, but redeeming us out of poverty. God not only saves us, but He also wants us to be able to know Him. That He has purchased us for a price. That Jesus Christ purchased us, body and soul, that we belong not to ourselves, but belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. More than that, He has saved us for a relationship with Him that we might have this glorious possessions given to us through an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. We only have God's Word to be able to stand upon. His promises. The testimony of what God has done. We do not get the benefit of Thomas of being able to see Christ's pierced hands. We are called to live by faith and not by sight. Augustine said, What is faith unless it is to believe what you do not see? That we are called to live in faith and that is exactly what faith is. It is not faith if you see it. It is only faith when you know it to be true when it comes. To be able to put our faith in what God has said and promised through Jesus Christ, that He will deliver us, not merely from slavery, but to lighten that burden, to redeem us from poverty, to give us all the riches. Now Israel cannot see 
any of these promises at this point, but they will. Few will walk into the promised land. Many will see the salvation promised to them. But let us see and hold on to that for another week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. A glorious and faithful Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Throughout your word, we see you make promises. And you make those promises and seal your name upon them. Lord, let us hold fast to your promises. Let us put our faith in what you have told us to be true. Lord, even if we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. We pray, Lord, that we would see these glorious promises, that we would live by faith and not by sight. And we pray that you'd help us to do so, for we know this is hard for us to do. Pray that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we might be able to know by faith and know who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.